worth paying the toll at exit 31. Your defender went and blitzed. What did you see there? How were you able to, to use that to your advantage? Yeah, they had a little three deep fire zone, brought the nickel off the edge, safety dropped down. Uh, it didn't look like they were doing a replacement fire zone, so I knew with the back away we were going to get three pushing through. That um, had an opportunity to kind of run in there if I could beat my guy and just had to beat the safety to the end zone. You're stopping off at exit 31. Let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick in this one. Um, whether it's Bill or anybody else, they beat us. But you sit here and you tell me when they start with the average starting, when we start with the average starting field position at the 40-yard line and he starts with the 23-yard line, and I'm rounding up in both cases, and we were 1 for 4 in the red zone and they are 0 for 1 in the red zone, I like my chances. With all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you doing with the opportunities you got? Sloppy football. Sloppy football. So This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I think Sean McDermott's booty's a little bit chapped. I'm the root tootin' tootin' coach of the AFCs, don't you know? Can't give no credit to Bill Belichick. Man, I tell you. He's just he, rent-free. Rent-free. Patriots, as long as he is the coach, Bill Belichick will live in their heads. It doesn't matter the roster's changed, the coach that comes in, what year it is. As long as Bill's been there, it's been that way. And I don't think I could ever give as technical of an answer to anything as Cooper Cup did. It hurt my brain Man. trying to figure out what like everything that he was saying because it was just so – he rattled it off so quick. There's other players in the NFL that do not understand schemes and concepts and X's and O's on that level. Like, like he's next level. That's why he's successful, clearly. I, I mean, wow. It's amazing, right? It really is amazing, and 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 you you nailed it. I mean, that is why he's successful. I mean, and I think you know it just shows like he I, he'd have a fantastic career as a as a coach or a broadcaster after you know just looking into you know just seeing his insights about the game after his playing career. I mean, he's going to still have have a place in football. You remember Michael Vick? I do. Michael Vick basically stated that he didn't start to read defenses or really understand the playbook or what was happening on the field until after he came back. From the dog fighting stuff. Like mm-hmm. the first part of his career, he really just went out there and did it on athleticism. With yeah. no true understanding what was going on. Yeah, he could. He was he was that fast. He was that skilled. Rain Stradamus, Nostra Davidson, broadcasting from the Duntire and Hobby Hill Farm Sales Studios, Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com on the air. All guests appearing today on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. They will be. And I'll start with a pre-recorded Aton Thomas. We'll air that for you at 3.15. We'll speak with Jason Fitz, one half of Spain and Fitz. Uh, You might be interested to know that Sarah Spain's husband is not a billionaire. I'll explain what that means when we get to that interview. He'll be the top of our number two, three o'clock. In the meantime, within this two o'clock hour, Mario Sacco in a few minutes, as if he didn't work enough already today, filling in for Pauly Scabilia on Orange Nation. And then Alex Sims will join us. Oh, boy, I think we got a kerfuffle today, too, buddy. I'm looking forward to that. Some sound check from post-game from Villanova Syracuse yesterday from MSG. Um, the Jim Valvano speech never stops or never ceases to make me uh, basically feel like I'm chopping onions, getting in my feels. It hits every single time I see it, which is many now over the years. How about you? And it, Jimmy V or uh, Dickie V being part of that, too. Yeah. That was Ooh, last night. Wow. It 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 never gets old. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the speech is when he, he, he's like, yeah, the guy's trying to tell me I have 30 seconds left. I got tumors all over my body. You think I care about 30 seconds? <laughs> you can tell sp- me. Yeah. 
That that is it's fantastic. It's it's a great speech, and you know it, I was thinking about it uh, the, yesterday when because it was on before the Syracuse game, and I'm thinking you know there are people that weren't even alive. Yeah, like basketball, like especially you know basketball players that weren't even alive at that time that know that speech. It has it's timeless. It has a profound impact, no matter what age you are. It, it will forever go down as one of the best you know award acceptance speeches of all time, not only in sports, I think just in general. It just the resonates. Message, yeah, it, the message just resonates. It, and it hits you in your feelings, man, because you know what? Bleep cancer, it affects everybody. So we, we brought you down because we're going to go like negative positive day, right? As yeah. far as Syracuse basketball is concerned, because they lost, uh, a lot of reaction will be negative. If they won last night, we would hear all the positive. Mm-hmm. So this will bring out the detractors of Jim and everything else, yep. and, and we'll discuss that all today. But let me give you a little bit of positive news having to do with Bayheim specifically the Army. As many know, the 22nd to the 25th, one of eight regional sites, is the Carrier Dome. Remember we were asking about that when we watched Bayheim's Army finally win it just a few months back? Yeah, we, we talked about what it would be like if, if they went on a run. Uh, partially through Syracuse, uh, how amazing that would have been! Incredible, and it was it was so much fun to watch. You know what the team did this this past summer, um, but it, it would be a whole different ball game if you're able to actually go and, and watch the team in person. You know, at SRC Arena in a, a local venue, it's just there's there's nothing better than that. There is nothing better than that. That's positive. Mm. And now the negative. Here we go. X31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Let's analyze last night. Syracuse, Villanova, MSG. I think it's been, what, six, seven years. Uh, finally got this back together. 73 times overall. Those two programs have met, of course. Remember those Big East days. And, and overall, Syracuse had been winning. Uh, they they have more overall wins than Villanova does in this, I don't know if you want to call it an old school Big East rivalry, but you get my point. But they didn't win last night. You thought they were going to in the first half, and then did they run out of gas? Is that what happened? I've seen that narrative, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just execution. They weren't hitting shots. The under, one of the underlying problems was clearly rebounding, but Buddy just had an atrocious atrocious shooting game. Hit three out of 15. Start right there. He just, I mean, it gives you his average, and it's a different situation, right? Because he hits some shots throughout the course of that game, then different things happening. It's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, right? Yeah, and and you I mean, buddy, not only was he three for for fifteen on, on you know field goals in general, but zero for five from beyond the arc. When yeah. was the last time we didn't see Buddy Beheim drain a three pointer in a game? I mean, he he's just he he's being doubled a lot. We knew that was going to happen this year. We knew he was going to be the focus, and the defenses were going to key in on him. And and they have to make adjustments. So far, they haven't been able to do so. Uh, I know that you know in our in our pre-recorded interview with with Etan, you know we discussed that. So you'll hear that a little bit later on. But you know it's just they they've got to make adjustments. I mean, single-digit points two games in a row. It's just you're not going to win with Buddy Beheim not being a contributor. In the two-three zone tweak to the one-one-three, or if you want to call it one-three-one, we don't really care. Call it what you want. You saw it, and then it feels like it disappeared and it went away. Yeah. Am I was I missing something there? 
And I wonder why. Uh, I mean, defenses are preparing better for them. I mean, look, they played a they played a very good Villanova team. That team's number six in the nation for a reason. And quite simply, Villanova shot like garbage in the first half. That didn't happen in the second half, and that might it, it doesn't matter if you're playing one one three or two three. If you're hitting from three, you're going to have success against Syracuse, and especially because they don't rebound the ball. And oh, look at all those those points off of. That well, and, and and also, I mean, you've got Villanova with 14 points off the bench compared to Syracuse's zero. You also have something 13, addressed in post game. By yeah, the way, you, 13, we don't have much depth. 13 three pointers for Villanova. You know, you're giving up the three ball, and 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 that's a very very quick and easy way to get down by a lot of points. Cuse's got Georgetown on the way. Then it's Lehigh. Then they play Cornell, and, and then I think it's Georgia Tech after that. But that's going to be a game. It's not quite the same, I don't think, for um, a guy named Jimmy Beheim. I'm calling him beast mode from now on. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Beheim, good at basketball. So Cole Swider didn't really have that revenge game against Nova. Will Jimmy have one against Cornell? I, I don't know. It just seems like Jimmy's there. He didn't score the first basket of the game. That actually was Cole Swider because, of course, it was against Nova, and it was a three. But Jimmy did score the first basket in the second half. Yep. And you did also see a beaming Julie Beheim. Yeah. So proud. Man, he came to play last night. He's just, they, they called him old school. Jay Billis called him old school during the game. He'd be wearing some Chuck Taylors. He'd fit in any era. I like watching Jimmy Beheim play basketball. He's just, the basketball IQ is off the charts. Off the charts. And, and he's got the ability. Um, I mean, and you didn't see it. You didn't see it often because he played for Cornell, which, you know, obviously they're not known for their basketball. But I got to say, a couple years ago, I saw Jimmy Beheim play uh, at Colgate, at Cotterell Court in Hamilton, uh, Cornell versus Colgate. And, I mean, he, he can flat out play. Yeah. I mean, he was ripping through the Colgate defense. And Colgate ended up winning because they're, they're just, the last few years, they've been so good. But Jimmy Beheim was very noticeable. And not only because he was Jimmy Beheim, but because, I mean, he was tearing the defense up. He is. He really is so much fun to watch because he has he can do a little bit of everything. Well, you know they say he's amphibious too. I'm kidding, ambidextrous. But you give him <laughs> the, the ability to go with either hand. It's it's really rare. Yeah, it, and, and you can't really tell the difference. He's comfortable and going off the glass too. That was kind of the reference to the old school and high off the glass too. Yeah. Uh, and and then of course you couldn't you saw some other guys that couldn't make a basic layup like Jesse Edwards was struggling with that. Jay Billis was talking about that too, and I kept noticing. I'm sure you did. Anybody watching the game is just just go up. Just go up hard and strong, straight up, and finish. But as he gets stronger and bigger, uh, that's just something that he's got to improve on that is correctable, correct? Yeah. It, 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 no, it definitely is. It definitely is. But I, I just think he's, such a, he's been such a good addition to this lineup. And he's been, he's been pretty consistent this year. You know, I, I, again, I, I think, you know, last night, again, it comes down to rebounding. Rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. Was that a bigger issue than the fact that Buddy had an off night? It, it was it's rebounding a, is the number one issue? It's a, Yeah, it's a combination. Look, they, they've got to make adjustments and figure out a way to get Buddy some better open looks, uh, which is going to be difficult the, the rest of the way because teams are going to key in on him. But, I, I mean, second chance opportunities. You gave up 27 offensive rebounds. You cannot do that. You had 11 Offensive rebounds yourself. I, I mean, you get absolutely destroyed. Wait, 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 wait. You said, what was the word? Re rebound? Rebound. Re rebounds. Yeah. Rebound. You know what um, that is, right? You go up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off, and then you grab it with two hands, 
and you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. So they got more of those than we did. I'm not 100% sure um, if everybody heard that. Let me explain that again. Um, you go up and <laughs> grab the ball off the rim when it comes off. That's a thing. And then you grab it with two hands. Okay. And you come down with it, and that's right. considered a rebound. So they got more of those than we did. They got a lot more of those than we did, defensive and offensive, and you combine that, the differential was 57 to 36. Reminiscent, we talked about this before we jumped on the air. I'm like, wait a minute. Remember Pitt, North Carolina? I swear we've had, it's, it's like I'm having deja vu. We've had this conversation. Here's a recurring theme. Yeah. They got dominated in those two games, a couple of others. They sort of corrected the issue enough to win some games, but ultimately, I heard um, Jeff, who is with, who has joined us from inside the Loud House before, and of course, he's usually in the chat at QSportsTalk.com, mention, and we had this conversation last year, fatal flaws. That yep. term is back again. And you know what? It's rebounding again. It is rebounding again for this team. How do you fix the problem, Spencer? Channel your inner Jim Beheim. Well, I was going to say you go up. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. You go up and, and, and I, okay, go on. Go I got back. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you go this. up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off. Two hands. And then you grab it with two hands. Right. And you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. Ah. So they got more of those than we did. Well, I mean, it, it, you're you're not you're not going to win against anybody, let alone the number six team in the country, giving up 27 offensive rebounds. Uh, are you going to change anything because of that, Jim? Use the you know, backboard. We just, we, the last game, we were we played a pretty good rebounding team, and it was even. So I don't. I'm not going to change anything. We have to rebound better. But you have to change something, Jim. Jesus, it didn't work for that one game against Villanova. It was the sixth-ranked team in the country. You ready for that conversation? I, I can't wait He for never that changes anything. Does the same thing over and over again. Two, three zones for 40 years, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, they, they got beaten by a better team last night. I, at, yeah. at the end of the day, we, we see the issues and why that happened, but that's exactly what happened. It, it doesn't mean they're not going to win games. There is a path, say, to 9-4. and four. I was reading... The five takeaways from Mike McAllister, who we had on on had on the air with us on Monday, talking about that, and, and I brought the schedule: Georgetown, Lehigh, Cornell, and then Georgia Tech. Win those, and you're nine and four. You're five and four right now, heading into the 2022 calendar year. So it's all right. We'll be okay, and have a little bit of faith. Two, three, or one, one, three, whatever it is, it does confuse and confound a lot of teams, especially when you get into the tournament. Let's just get there. Let's get there but you have to get better every single game. That's the stock answer you're going to get from Jim. It turns out, though, say what you want, like him or not, he generally ends up being right about these things. Hence, 45, 46, 46. consecutive winning seasons. Yeah, I'll give him a pass. Mario Sacco's next with News Channel 9. He'll join us on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're stopping off at Exit 31. Oh, my God, you're amazing. I've been so thrilled with how you're doing. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Even though Mario Sacco has been a busy man filling in for Pauly Scabilia on Orange Nation and up in here last night with postgame, and even though um, he somehow typoed burnouts in a text to me the other day, I'll let that slide. Mario Sacco, News Channel 9, back in here. This, this dude, he's gone from getting off the air at 2. He's already got lunch and taken this call to come on the air. So please 
take uh, take us through the overreaction that I'm sure you heard last night in postgame. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know you did. And all that's out there based on this loss. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I'm an apologist and a homer. But Mario, come on. It's one game. We lost to a better team. I'm surprised you guys still know my name. It's been a while since I've gotten to talk to you, but uh, <laughs> beside the point. Who this? Uh, no, you, you, I mean, we took a bunch of calls today that, you know, not necessarily the world's caving in, but there is concerns with, you know, you, you switch up a defense and you give up 27 offensive rebounds. Um, and, and you see it and I see it. And, and Jesse, you know, you're taking your big guy out of the corner. He's jumping to the corner and, you know, you're not going to give up 27 rebounds every game. And and obviously Villanova, they were the better team last night. But with six minutes to play, you're within two possessions uh, against the sixth-ranked team in the country. So there has to be some good things uh, that, that you can take from that game. You got your leading scorer has scored six points the last two games. You know, how do you fix that? Um, you know, these are questions moving forward. But all in all, you're a five-and-four basketball team as you head to Georgetown. So did they go away from the one one three, or was it just my imagination? And why? Why did they tweak? Why did they go back from the tweak that they made that had been successful for a couple games? I, I, I you saw parts of it last night, and, and they the first, did it at times in the, in first, the first half, half. Though in the first half, though, not yeah. in the second. I don't know if they saw what what Villanova was doing differently. What Jay Wright, you know, Gillespie was getting a, a little bit more open looks in the second half, and and hitting them and all of a sudden they hit those three threes and it's like uh, oh boy what, what's going on here now um when you look at that game what's it come down to guys you got to score on the offensive end no matter what you you, you held a villanova team to 67 points uh, and you you only scored 53 in a basketball game you got to score it and where that scoring has to come from you mentioned jimmy played fantastic 10 of 19 from the field uh, but Buddy going three for 15, Cole Swatter having an awful game, um, you know, Joe scoring 11 points. If you want to take the pressure that Buddy is getting defensively off his shoulders and force teams to, to play you more, Cole's going to have to start scoring, putting the ball on the deck, being able to score. Um, you know, Jesse in the second half played great. First half, he left a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah. Mario Sacco. Joining us here on Exit 31, ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Jorain and I were speaking a little bit about Buddy and and the fact that he's being keyed on. You mentioned, of course, you know, back-to-back games with only six points. I mean, what do they have to do at this point to be able to get Buddy some open looks? I mean, what do they have to tweak? Uh, You know, what other looks can they get him? Because, I I mean, you're not going to win games with, with your best shooter not shooting well. Did you guys ever have that annoying kid in gym class that would just, you know, pester you or, or whatever? That was, when that was me. That you know, was me. You just, you just wanted to have fun, and, and he's playing up in your face man-to-man defense and, you know, not really playing the principles, so to say, of a man-to-man defense. And, 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 and that's what Buddy has right now. These guys are playing, you know, they're not sagging off him. They're, they're not helping out. It's it, uh, I'm going to be glued to Buddy Beheim for the game, and, and we're going to force the ball out of his hand. Now, I say that. Last night I thought Buddy got a couple of good looks. He just didn't knock them down. Um, what more can they do? We've seen, uh, I've seen Coach Beheim run a lot of curl action for Buddy, trying to get Buddy into the middle of the lane and, and use his size uh, over, over these guys that are guarding him. Um, obviously it hasn't worked over the last couple of games. Um, 
but uh, on the flip side, guys got to be able to score when, you know, off the dribble. And Syracuse has a tough time doing that if it be Joe, if it be Cole. Uh, guys haven't been able to, to break down their guy one-on-one when they're guarding Buddy so closely. The only guy able to break down this guy one-on-one last night was Jimmy Beheim. So, Mario, it, we, we talked to Tom Thomas a little earlier today. And we're he gonna, knows a lot more about basketball than me, guys. So well, I'll, I'll, I will say that. We're going to air that 315, but it brings me back to the QSportsTalk.com chat. I see him talk a little bit about the pick and roll and why we're not lobbing it into Jesse when he rolls, right? Um, but, and, and he breaks it, he breaks this down, but I'm wondering why we're not seeing a little bit more of that. And, and whenever you did see Jesse down low, he wasn't converting. I mean, that was an issue, too. So what do you think? I think, and Eton, I hope maybe you guys can ask him this uh, next week and anytime. I mean, he breaks down games perfectly. What I see from a point guard perspective, Syracuse isn't getting enough depth to, to get their big man the ball. Yeah. You know? so, so last night, for instance, they switched every, every screen that came. They were switching. Mm-hmm. So at times you were seeing Colin Gillespie guarding Jesse Edwards down low. But why wasn't Syracuse able to get Edwards the basketball? is because they were too close to one another, I think. that, Or if they were able to get Jesse the basketball, it was, you know, 12 feet away from the hoop. You know, those touches need to be in the paint already when Jesse's getting the ball, not Jesse getting the ball, you know, two feet away from the paint, having to take two-pound dribbles and then go up with it. Do you guys understand what I'm getting at there as far as, you know, paint touches too far away from the paint, so to say? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Mario Sack with News Channel 9, joining us on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're listening to Exit 31. And Mario, uh, you know, the Syracuse only had four assists last night. Now, in the first couple of games of the season, uh, you know, we were discussing the chemistry and how it seems like these guys are gelling so quickly and they're moving, moving the ball well. And, and that seems to have stalled. Uh, what have been, what's been your kind of your take on the last few games and, and, and the lack of ball movement and the lack of assists. That's twofold. One, SU hasn't been able to hit shots the last couple of games, guys, and, and that's taking your assist number way down. You know, uh, Buddy Beheim, for instance, you, you tack on 10 more points and, and you're throwing on pretty much four more assists if it be from a, a, a swatter or, or, or to, from Joe Girard. Um, ball movement has been a problem. And I asked Coach Evans last night on the postgame show, you know, why aren't we seeing ball movement out of this basketball team? And I reverted it to, you know, when, when I think of ball movement and an offense that, that moves the ball crisply, um, taking Villanova out of, out of the pitcher because they were kind of a, a perimeter-oriented offense and moving it around the perimeter, you get a lot of inside-outside action. You're not seeing that with Syracuse. They're more of an outside, throw the ball inside every once in a while and then, you know, re- reverse it from there. Um, and, you know, for SU to be successful, you know, they have to be able to, to, to move that basketball quicker with their guards, and it hasn't happened. You've seen a lot of more ISO action, which we've seen out of Syracuse over these last few years uh, with the guys they have. Other than ordering Chipotle, I don't think you've had a conversation <laughs> in the last 24 hours that didn't center around Syracuse basketball, so let's flip to football. Sean Tucker, All-American, and your comments. Deserving, uh, wholeheartedly deserving. Uh, I, I'm just waiting for that next tweet to say I'm pleased to be coming back to Syracuse is, is all I'm looking for right now, guys. Mario, I got one last question for you, and I know you're big. big right. I, I know you're big. I got, big. This food is calling my name, guys. I'm, I, no, I know. I'm kidding. I, I, whatever you guys. What'd you get, by the way? Yeah, what'd you get? So I, I mix up a, a, a bowl, but I get half steak, half chicken, okay, with sour cream, and then the, the hot 
hot stuff on it. Oh, that sounds good. All right, forget it. I don't want to talk about the question. I just want you to bring the food over here. Shoot, if any more time I could take up of Alex, you know, that's the main plan. Wow. Okay, we're pushing pushing Alex Sims off. I kind of like that. I like that. Shots fired. Uh, Listen, the MLB lockout is here. I know you're a big baseball guy. We've talked about how, you know, Sid Bream and the Braves have broken your heart. You hated to see them win the World Series. But when are we going to play baseball again? Because this is ridiculous what's going on. It is in a bad place right now. And I don't think this gets resolved in time for spring training to start. They, they've made no progress on anything. You might be playing baseball come July, uh, the way things are looking here. And everyone says, you know, if it gets done by uh, a certain date, I think it's by March or whatever, that they, you know, still still could play. They're so far off, it's not even funny with, you know, negotiations and everything. And, you know, for all Manfred's a, a Cornell guy, but it's not looking well on either side. When you're throwing out these ridiculous contracts and what's being, you know, signed in baseball these days, there's money on both sides of the table. Come to an agreement. You know, it's not like you're talking about for us, hey, when you go, go and negotiate a salary, hey, hey can I get an extra $1,000 on my salary? And the boss tells you no. Uh, there's millions of dollars being thrown around, and the money's there. It's just, you know, learning how to allocate it. It doesn't, it just seems ridiculous that it's millionaires fighting with billionaires, and you're pricing fans out, and you wonder why the game continues to lose popularity. And that's just one of many issues that they have. Continue. For you to take take a family to a ballpark, I remember going to Pirates games, and, you you know, that's what you did in the summer. We would go to, you know, 10, 12 Pirates games. To take my family to a game now, it, you know, barring the Syracuse Mets have, have outstanding, you know, family-friendly stuff, but to go to PNC Park, I'd be spending, you know, $100 at a clip. Triple that in Yankee just, Stadium. Just to go and watch them. Yeah. So, I mean, right. it, it, it's unbelievable. All right. Well, go eat your lunch. You, you earned it. You've done a lot. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. It's great um, to talk to you once every once every month. Well, you we know, took, you know, you, 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 a little Thanksgiving, you take a week <laughs> off. We, we've missed a couple <laughs> We're back in next week, same time. Let's do this again, Mario. And uh, um, no more typos to me in text, all right? Hey, I'm just trying to be like Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) NASCAR burnouts, that's what he meant. Mario Sacco, News Channel 9, Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. All right, he delayed Alex Sims enough. She'll be on the phone in a minute. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We are now joined by Alex Sims of WSYR, her New England Patriots. As much as it pains me to say this, are the number one seed in the AFC right now. <sighs> you, so you're exasperated, and glue guys over there just, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's, that's my team. That's my team. He's not getting any mic time today. Alex, what's your assessment of the Bills versus the Patriots and your team squeaking out a 14 to 10 win to take firm control, not only again of the AFC East, but of the AFC. Yeah. What a game guys. First of all, my issue with the Bills right now is that they're not owning up to this loss. The Patriots came in with the most basic game plan, which anyone could have predicted. I mean, you're going up against 40 mile per hour wins. You're obviously going to keep it on the ground. Right. And yet, the Bills still, even knowing the game plan, found a way to lose. And I'm not just saying that to say it, but I'm also just <laughs> – but they've had, they had multiple chances inside the red zone to score. 
and they could not do it. So just own up to it, McDermott. Just own up to it. The Bills say, Mafia hates you right now, Alex, and that's okay. I'm fine with it. I predicted the Patriots but, were going to win, and we threw this term out over the last couple of days. Are they finger-pointing frauds in Buffalo? Is this team a fraud? I mean, they're underachieving big time. No, I don't think they're I don't think they're a fraud, but I just don't think I think everyone expected them to be as good as they were last year. I think they were right there. They were they were just one game away yeah. from being Super Bowl champs, correct? They 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 lost in the AFC Championship. And and so I think a lot of high expectations were on this team to, to really, you know, make it to that next step and make it to the Super Bowl this year. I, do I think they're a fraud? No. Do I think they're playoff contenders? Yes. Do I think they're Super Bowl contenders? No. Um, but, I mean, uh, every loss, every win is important in the NFL, right? It, this isn't like baseball or um, basketball, where you you play, you know, a hundred and something games. Every game is important, and you know, Sean McDermott and the Bills underachieved on Monday. <laughs> Alex, we we had this debate so many times when Tom Brady was with the Patriots, but you know, this question I think it, it comes up again: is, is this Mac Jones being the real deal? Is this Bill Belichick being the mastermind? Or is it a combination of the two? Because what is going so well for the Patriots? Uh, once again, having a quarterback who wasn't necessarily picked, you know, as one of the top draft picks, but is is getting the job done. Yeah, I think it's a combination. But I think a lot of the credit has to go to Bill Belichick. I mean, he's a genius, guys. He has done more with less, and that's been kind of like the thing or the theme throughout this season with this team. I mean. He had a, you know, he he drafted really well. Um, he picked up a lot of rookie guys that are overachieving. Um, free agency was good what, too. Yep. Free agency was really good, and I think that um, you know Mac Jones is the real deal. Um, like I said a, a, a few weeks ago, um, if you look at the stats between when Brady started his first year under center with the Pats, and you compare it with Mac first year Mac is actually doing better statistically in all areas um I think also Mac is is an Alabama guy I mean he he was he was he learned from Nick Saban Nick Saban and and Bill Belichick are cut from the same cloth so I think in terms of like the transition from the college level to the the pro level was really easy and that's very difficult for a lot of players um because it is a different game right i mean you guys know that um but yeah i think if it when it all comes down to it bill belichick is the main reason why this team is successful and i think um monday night's game kind of proved that right i mean again he had the most basic game plan he did more with less he stuck with the game plan which I was even more impressed with. They kept it on the ground the whole entire time. Mac only threw three times, which is, I think, a franchise record. And you know what the the, the motto is, or the saying goes, great teams find a way to win. And they, they did. They did it by just keeping it all on the ground. Alex Sims is with us here at Texas 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. And you literally led me into what I wanted to follow up with. How do you go out there and run the ball 32 straight times at one point, only throw it three times and win? Uh, then you look at the weather. These, the, I mean, the goalposts were swaying. The, the snow, the precipitation, the inclement weather. The, just 
you know what? Something you're used to if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, even a Northeast football fan, they deal with this in New England, but it's not the same as in Buffalo where it's a constant thing. So Bill goes in there, take the weather out. Let's say it was decent weather. Yeah. Then is the game plan changed? Does Mac Jones then throw more than three times? Does Bill still run it 32 straight times? Or was it just, I looked at the situation with this game and I decided to go Navy midshipman and do it that way with a six offensive lineman like he did? Well, I was actually listening to Boston Sports Talk Radio. I listened to Bill's post-game presser, and he did say if the weather was different, there would have been a different game plan. Yeah, maybe we would have seen Matt mm-hmm. throw it a little bit. Um, but we also know this, that Buffalo struggles against the run. So the defense, like, they're, Bill Z is really horrible against the run. So I don't know, maybe – Maybe we would have seen Max throw it a little bit more, but I think it would have been very run-heavy um, just for that that case alone. Well, New England's defense is also very good, and Buffalo has their struggles right. running the football. That's just the cold, hard facts. Alex, uh, you, you want to take any more um, jabs at the Buffalo Bills <laughs> fan base, or did we let you say enough? Did you want to throw a, si- a side jab to the Jets or anything like that before oh, you move on, on to basketball? I'm, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, keep my mouth shut because I'm sure Bill's fans are still suffering at this moment. Um, I don't think, I think it's going to sting until they play each other again in a couple of weeks. So I am going to stop talking about them. Alex, Alex Sims, outstanding sports broadcaster, very kind human being. Let's switch to basketball. Let's look at Cusin, Nova, uh, Spencer, Listen, I'm going to bounce past you. Where do you want to start with this? The, the rebounding, Buddy Beheim. I mean, all the talking points that we I, have. There's so much to discuss. Yeah, I, I was I was going to start with the rebounding. And, and, I mean, how much of a concern is it with this team? Especially especially on the defensive end, giving up 27 offensive rebounds. I mean, you're, you're not going to win giving up that much and, and giving up 25 second-chance points. So, uh, just, you know, what does this team have to do? Yeah, well, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the rebounding... The, on the glass last night was probably the one thing that really stuck out to me. I mean, they were 27, 11, 27 of 11 on the offensive end, which led to 25 second chance points for Villanova. Wild. 25 second chance points. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think they're hurting down low. Um, obviously, like I've said in the past, um, uh, you know, Barama Sadibe being out, like, they're a big guy. Like, they, like, they're they hurting. I mean, like, Cole's, Cole's doing a good job. I mean, I think he grabbed 12 yep. offensive rebounds. Yep. Um, but but uh, other than that, I mean, like, it, they're, they're hurting down low, guys. And um, not only that, but when your go-to leading scorer, Buddy Beheim, is in a kind of a slump, sort of speak, you know, it, you can't win without him. Right. Um, and that kind of showed last night. He was, what, 3 of 15, 0 for 5, I think, um, from 3. Correct. And so, I, I, yeah, so, I mean, like, it, it, it shows that you can't win without Buddy Day, huh? It was very, if he, it, go ahead. It's very telling, and I think this is kind of where you're going with this. Jim even said in the post game, and I'll quote, he's going to have some of those games, referencing the Florida State game and last night against Nova, He's going to have some of those games. He's going to get no easy right. shots all year. Right. There's a target on his back now because of right. who and what he is as a player. Yep. I mean, whoever he, Syracuse plays, they know Buddy Beheim is where the offense goes through. Right. And, you know, I actually thought that it might be a little bit easier for him this year because you have, you know, now you have Cole, 
right? Now you have Joe and now you have, um, you know, Jimmy. So like you have more targets to kind of deal with. Last year was just Joe and Buddy, right guys? I mean, so mm-hmm. um, a lot more eyes were on Buddy and, and if they weren't on Buddy, they were on Joe and then vice versa. So like, I thought maybe this year he would get a lot better looks and he'd be able to just play um, and, and not have to be worried about, you know, guys teaming up on him and whatnot. But um, right now, I mean, he's – like you guys said, I mean, g- players go through slumps. Um, you know, Cole was is going through one a little bit. You know, I think he got going uh, in, in against uh, – was it Florida State or was it yep. – I can't remember. Or, or Indiana, maybe. Four, four, four um, out of eight against Florida State. You're yeah. right. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so – you know, it, it, it just it, guys go through that, right? And it just you have to just keep shooting and get over that slump. Um, but again, you can't. I don't think Syracuse can win without Buddy being a crucial part of the offense. Listen, I'm going to buy uh, back the minute or so that Mario Sacco stole from you. We we've got to take a break. Got about 60 seconds left with you. Alex Sims of WSYR is here with us. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We had mentioned. It's now been announced, Syracuse, one of eight regional sites for TBT. Yeah. Can't wait till yeah. July. Just want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, I'm excited. I think, um, you know, fans like were really upset that, you know, they obviously didn't – they haven't – It was. it's been two years. Um, and I think they bring uh, – TBT brings – I mean, I think it's something that people can look forward to, um, you know, and to be able to have it here right in Syracuse, I know uh, – Beheim Zarby brings a big crowd, um, you know, and I know a lot of people like during during that tournament, there, there's not a lot of sports going on. So it's kind of nice for Syracuse fans um, to, to come out and be able to watch them play. Um, obviously, I was disappointed not being able to see them play last year and make that awesome run and win. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great it's great that they they're they're coming back to Syracuse and playing here because um, I know they bring a great crowd and I know a lot of people are excited about it. Alex, do we get you fired up when we bring you on? <laughs> yeah, do I feel? Do I sound fired up? <laughs> uh, Kevin, in bit, the, yeah. Kevin in the chat was uh, was saying to QSportsTalk.com that you sound like you get a little bit fired up. I'm paraphrasing, but we love it. Keep bringing it. Always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. The one and only Alex Sims. It is Exit 31. We're on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com, and You're Killing Me Smalls is next. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. So, Spencer, um, by the way, this is our best rejoin. By far, with Kirby Enthusiasm. Great. Uh, It's kind of what it is. It's like a festivist airing of the sports grievances. Kirby Enthusiasm, what is kind of just making you roll your eyes and... It's a little bit annoyed. Well, actually going to break off a little baseball. We talked about that briefly with a lockout with Mario Sacco, but I wanted to bring this back for the Yankees fans, uh, myself included. Why are why are Yankees fans, you're one of them as well, crying about Clint Frazier, for example, moving on to the Cubs, or Tyler Wade being gone, or Velasquez being gone? Feel-good stories. I get it. Yeah. You, you need the role players, the bench players, the utility guys but if you think those guys being Yankees next year are the difference between them taking it to the next level, hey, perhaps just beating Boston in the wild card to move on in the playoffs to get a chance to go to the DS, to the CS, and then to the World Series, if you think it's Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade, and Velasquez and guys like that that are going to get you there, you're, you're disillusioned. You're, you're living 
in, you're not living in reality. I, I just don't yeah. understand that. And it's constant. It's everywhere. Also, Clint Frazier is behaving like a 12-year-old uh, on social media. He, he's now glad that he's no longer a Yankee. You, you sucked. You yeah. hit 180 last year. We gave you the starting job, and you did nothing with it. I understand, and I empathize, and I sympathize, and I get it. You had concussion issues on a human level. I don't wish that upon Clint Frazier. And he even did a, a Q&A event with us not too long ago. And it was cool. And yeah. I got to ask him a couple of questions. Good dude. That's not my point in general. But the way he's handling this, it's ridiculous. I'm going to continue to wear 77. Uh, I requested seven. Remember that whole Mickey Mantle nonsense? Yeah. Didn't realize they made a big deal. And then there was the cutting of his hair and everything else. And But needless to say, he matured a little bit, but then he just didn't perform. When he was on the field, over four years, he was given ample opportunity. He didn't hit. Yeah, All you had to do was hit 240, hit a couple bombs, play a decent outfield. But after a month, you didn't do it. So they moved on. And, oh, gee, we still have Brett Gardner on the roster, which is probably going to happen again next year. But I'm tired of this. Yeah. You know, somebody quote tweeted Clint Frazier's tweet that I just read to you and was like, I'm glad you're not a Yankee anymore. And Clint, of course, replied to that. So am I. Yeah. He's posting pictures of him in the Cubs hat. And you know what? They're not winning a World Series for the Yankees. They need significant upgrades beyond somebody like Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade, Andrew Velasquez, and the like. Go. I just think. Uh, My goodness. The, 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 big thing, the big thing with, with the lack of, of the guys like, like the Frasers and the Wades and the Velasquez's is, is, is the depth. I mean, this team, was, this team has already struggled to put together a consistent effort. And, and now you're getting rid of some role players, uh, some guys is, that, would, that would eat up I mean, some innings was, with you, uh, or would, would eat up some innings for you, excuse me. Uh, and 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 the Yankees have had a, have had trouble staying healthy. I mean, even Clint Fraser himself has had trouble staying healthy. But you would put a Tyler Wade in there in certain situations, especially if you needed a base runner. Andrew Velasquez had that stretch where he was fantastic uh, for the Yankees. And 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 Rain, like you mentioned, it's it's the feel good story with him growing up a Yankees fan. But to that point, you didn't just lose Aaron Judge. You didn't just lose Garrett Cole. No, you didn't just lose Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, I mean, can I get a witness? I mean, with with, with Clint Frazier, you know, you mentioned it. If you if you just hit a little bit, you'd be fine. I mean, look at look at Joey Gallo. The dude was hitting sub two hundred, but he had what thirty something bombs, and you don't even think as much about that. Gold glove outfielder. I still yeah. I still don't know if he's the answer for next year for the Yankees. I can't deal with a guy hitting one ninety or one eighty five. That being said, so listen. The Mets is, as we're talking baseball, something I wanted to bring up. I was looking for Buck Showalter if they got rid of Aaron Boone to be the Yankees manager. Yeah. Might work for the Mets. You don't want to deal with, remember the Lindor McNeil rat situation or yeah. the booing situation? It's kind of a Mickey Mouse thing. Even with Steve Cohen buying it, it just continued. The Mets, Mets, like the Jets, Jets. You understand what I'm saying? But that stuff might stop because Buck is old school but smart enough to use analytics and be new school. Buck Showalter would professionalize that locker room. Yeah. Culture change. That's what they need. Yeah, he doesn't, and he's, he doesn't stand for BS. It'd be a great hire for the New York Mets. Other than that, oh, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. You know, you know what, you know what they need to do better? Both teams. This might help. 
Um, you go up and grab the ball. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Win. There's no rebounding in baseball. There's no crying in baseball either. We're going to come back. Jason Fitz coming up at Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> this is Exit 31. In about an hour, I'm going to f*** away 20 grand. What, are you going to bet on the Knicks? <laughs> is it, I'm sorry. I mean, how often? I mean, oh, man, nobody thinks that's funny. Exit 31. With Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We jump in here with Jason Fitz, one half of Spain and Fitz. Uh, Sarah Spain is who I'm referencing. Fitzy, her husband is not a billionaire. I heard that conversation a night or two ago. I wanted you to tell us a little bit more. And there's something about a tattoo on your forehead for like $250 million. Can you explain? Yeah, well, so according to the Worldwide Interwebs, which is always right about everything, <laughs> uh, Sarah and I are married, uh, according to one uh, site. Instead of radio partners, apparently we're life partners which really becomes confusing because she's, uh, you know, reportedly also, according to the Internet, that's never wrong, married to a billionaire. So I figured since that meant she must have divorced Brad, that she got half a, half a billion in the settlement. And then, you know, the minute I divorce her, I get half of that. So I told her, if, you know, if she wanted to write me a check for $250 million, I'd gladly just forehead <laughs> or tattoo. I love Sarah Spain on my forehead. Like $250 million, I think I'd be getting a deal by doing that, by the way. Like I would have done it way cheaper than that. So joke's on her. So while we're talking about Sarah Spain, though, she's a Blackhawks fan, Spencer, and it hasn't been going well against, well, yours and my favorite team. Please um, form a question. Yeah, I, I mean, has she come in and been a little bit salty the last few days, you know, being that the, the Rangers have, have taken down the Blackhawks in back-to-back games? Yeah, well, the thing of it is with the Blackhawks, you know, the funny thing is when we first started working together, the Blackhawks were playing, we're coming off of a pretty good run, right? So. Yeah. Uh, she was she was she was pretty pretty quick to remind me that the Blackhawks had more Stanley Cup uh, t- titles than the my Predators at the time uh, had, which is still the truth because we don't have any. But uh, it is alarming how that has quieted down over the last like two three years. And I've called her out on it a few times on air, and she's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And she she just basically denies everything until they're really good, and then she'll acknowledge it again. And let, let's face it, because she's smarter than I am, I'm not going to argue with her about it. Jason, Jason Fitz is with us here. One half of Spain and Fitz. X to 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. All right, let's uh, stop right there with the shenanigans and let's get the unbiased non-homer Q's take. Nova, number six in the nation. Syracuse last night. Buddy Bayheim really struggled shooting. Rebounding was a huge issue. And I know you had the night off last night, but I'm sure you followed along because you knew you'd be talking to us today. Uh, what were your observations? Yeah, well, a, a little bit of that is a statement to Nova, which, by the way, we're early in the season. Well, we just, I think we just lost him. I think we just lost Jason Fitz completely. I don't know if the phone Fitz, called. Fitzy, you there? Fitzy, hello, Fitzy. Uh, no, no Fitzy. No Fitzy? We absolutely lost Jason Fitz on the phone. Oh, we're going to have to get uh, the glue guy back in the studio to dial him back up. Uh, we dropped the phone call with Jason Fitz, uh, so we'll stall for a brief moment while you redial him. In the midst of our unbiased non-Homer Q's take, that will allow me to give you some breaking news right now. Uh, We were just informed moments ago, Benny Williams uh, will be on the phone calling in just a a minute or two after 3.30. So that's a conversation we're going to have. Etan Thomas is coming up next. So we're going to go back to back with a big from the past who has been part of those Big East battles. Yep. And then Benny Williams. I think we're locked back in with Jason Fitz right now. Uh, the phone call dropped. Continue your unbiased non-homer Q's take Syracuse Villanova last night. 
Yeah, we're going to have to find somebody else that can step up in those moments, and that's the difficult part of it. I don't know where you guys lost me, but I will say that it's such a wildly unpredictable year in college basketball as well. That you know, Villanova is a very good team early on uh, this season, but the real the real question is for the first third of the season, are, are teams developing in a way where they can find other options that can save them when their stars aren't playing to their best? And that's what I think Syracuse is going to have to figure. Out. I'm not pressing panic on any 500 basketball team yet, but I will be in like three weeks. And you know, I, we've spent the last couple of weeks watching more college basketball than anybody can imagine because it's like playing catch up when you finish college football season and you got to get to college basketball and the amount of up and down that we're seeing in college basketball is problematic for everyone so the teams that figure out how to navigate those waters are going to be the ones that survive i I think syracuse is going to be fine but last night was emblematic of the problem that they'll have if they can't get somebody else that steps up it's the uh, Bills versus Pats on Monday, and the Pats are now in firm control of the AFC East and, and the first seed in the AFC in, in, in totality right now. Uh, are the Bills frauds? There's a very good chance that after this coming Sunday, the Buffalo Bills could be only one game above 500. I, I mean, this is a very, very different Bills team than we thought coming into this year. It's flat-out disappointment at this point is what it is. I mean, how do we go from MVP candidate to Josh Allen? And, and look, I'm going to take a lot of what we saw in that game away because of the weather. The weather really was a huge factor, especially for an offense like Buffalo that expect to be able to come out and at least try on an opportunistic Patriots secondary that doesn't, uh, doesn't give up a lot of yards and gets a lot of turnovers. So I don't know what it will look like. I think, you know, in two weeks when we get those two teams again, we'll get a much better indication. But – uh, yeah, that was a forgettable effort from Buffalo in general. And defensively, we all knew what was coming. And the fact that they just couldn't stop it, kudos to the Patriots coaching staff for staying basically patient through it. Like when you're doing one thing so well, why doesn't every team do what the Patriots did? We've all sat there where you're sitting there saying, well, watching your favorite team, man, all they're doing right now is the same play over and over and over again, and it's working. Why do you ever get away from it? The Patriots reminded us you don't have to get complicated. If you, complicated. If you make the best chocolate chip cookies in the world, Make the best chocolate chip cookies in the world over and over and over again. So kudos to them. But, yes, the Bills right now definitely look like frauds. And Josh Allen is going to have to start answering questions for why he hasn't played better, not just in that game, but over the last month. So if they can't turn it around quickly, I think people in in Buffalo have a right to be very disappointed. Did we bury Patrick Mahomes a little bit early, Jason? The reason that I ask is obviously the Raiders and the Chiefs, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, This is where... Uh, I guess you got a dog in the fight, so to speak. Man, they're eight and four now. Uh, remember what we were saying just a few weeks ago? And he's coming off his best game of the year. He had four oh six and five touchdowns, one twenty seven point five rating last week. So, how are you feeling about your Raiders and the Chiefs? No, oh, I think the Chiefs are going to kill them. But I also think the Chiefs, to your point, yes, uh, everybody. And Bill Barnwell smartly said this, and uh, you guys should check out Bill if, if you get, if you don't already in the listening audience. Mm-hmm. He does really good, smart analytics work. And I asked him, I don't know, probably a month ago, I said, what's wrong with the Chiefs? And he said, honestly, offensively, nothing. And he said, when you look at the advanced analytics, they're going to be just fine. And he was right. I, I, I know the turnovers are the big part of the conversation we all want to talk about. But fact is, if I had to bet my house on one team in the AFC right now, if I, if I had to bet everything on one game, one team, one moment, I still believe in Patrick Mahomes, and I believe in Andy Reid. And as much as we want to believe in the Patriots' defense, we want to believe in the Patriots' ability to run the football, we have no proof of concept that Mac Jones can do anything in the playoffs. We have no idea. So I I trust the Chiefs above anybody else in the AFC still. I think they're going to end up in the Super Bowl.
Fitzy, first of all, I hope you had a great time with a rare Tuesday day off. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks for the reschedule today and a few minutes of your time. We appreciate you, man. Have a great night. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. One and only Jason Fitz, Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Spoke to Atan Thomas a little bit earlier, so a pre-recorded interview with the big man, Atan Thomas. We'll follow that up with Benny Williams right here, so keep it locked. This is Exit 31 with Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. It is Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com, and now a brand new Wednesday tradition during basketball season. Natan Thomas is going to be joining us. Uh, We got a game that happened last night, a little bit late, but in Madison Square Garden. Can you give me an MSG memory uh, before we get any further and even dig into the details of this game, Aton? Oh, wow. Well, the the Big East tournament, uh, when we played against St. John's, um, it was uh, Ron Artest at the time, Edwell Peace, and Eric Barkley and LeVar Postel. And that was a game when I I tied the the, um, Big East tournament record for block shots. Um, it was, won the game. Ryan Blackwell hit a shot at the buzzer. That was an amazing game. I'm sitting there getting I just reminiscing about it. But yeah, no, that great memories at MSG. Well, then I'm glad I, I brought that up and had you take a walk down memory lane. <laughs> so you, you brought up the block shots. We saw a few of those last night. Listen, you're a former big man. Let's talk about the big man, Jesse Edwards. He had the blocks. Uh, but the rebounding was a big issue. That that problem reared its ugly head, especially, uh, you know, offensive rebounds. I mean, you, you saw the game. You saw what happened. Uh, what do we do to fix this moving forward? Well, one of the things we have to do is that, you know, Jesse does a great job of even, you know, he blocks shots, but then he challenges shots. And he comes all the way out to the three-point line um, and challenges shots. You saw one time he did get a foul shooting a three, but then another time he blocked the shot and he's challenging more. So when he um, goes and he challenges these shots, we need the forwards to kind of just go back and crash the boards. That's what uh, Quincy Garrier was so good at doing last year. Um, And we need that. So, you know, whether it's Jimmy or, you know, Buddy or whoever's at those forward spots, they got to crash the boards. And that's where we're kind of at a, a, you know, kind of at a deficit um, with, with the lineups that we use. We have great scorers. You know, both Bayon brothers have been fantastic at scoring. You know, but we need whoever is going to be in those forward spots that when when um, when Jesse goes and challenges shots, which he's going to always do, they got to get the offensive rebound. So last night they had what I don't know how what the number was, but it was an insane amount of offensive rebounds. You just can't allow an opponent to have that many second chances at the basket. I'll give you Villanova numbers real quick before uh, Spencer jumps in here. Twenty-seven offensive rebounds, thirty defensive rebounds for Villanova. Eleven offensive oh. rebounds, twenty-five defensive rebounds. For Syracuse, 57-36 overall was the differential, which is substantial. Spencer, go. Yeah, not good. Itan, uh, you know, you mentioned the fact that this team has a lot of great scorers on it, and, and we expected their offense, you know, to be, you know, kind of shooting the lights out this year. Uh, the, the last few games, you know, they, they've been a bit off with their shooting percentage. I mean, are you surprised so far this season that the shooting percentage is a, is a bit low for this team, or do you think it's just kind of a matter of, of them needing to just figure it out as the season goes on a little bit? Well, I'm not a really huge fan of living and dying by the three. I'm a little bit more old school. I would much rather them play inside out. I'd rather them, like, hit the roll, man. There's so many times, and yes, I have big man bias. I'm always say that. But there's so many times that I see Jesse um, pick and roll to the basket, and all they have to do is just lob it up to him, and he can just catch the ball, and something good can happen. Even if he doesn't score, he can get fouled. 
Um, sometimes I see us just jacking up three after three and they're bricking and I'm like, oh my gosh, can we try something else? But one of the things that I do think we need to do um, is also mix it up and mix it up and drive sometimes. Uh, Buddy's done a great job with this two, three dribble pull up that he does towards the baseline and he pulls up. Um, Jimmy's been doing well with it. We just can't just live and die by the three because if it's not falling, which sometimes it's just not going to be falling. They're, they're regular shots that they always shoot. The ball just doesn't go in the basket and they got to try something else. We're talking to Tom Thomas here at Texas 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You know what's funny? You brought up the pick and roll with Joe and Jesse, and you saw that in the first couple of exhibition games. I'm sure you recall watching those. Why have they gone away from that, do you think? Is it just not available, or, or is there some other reason? No, no, it looks like it's available to me. You know, like yeah. they, they run it, they're just not throwing it. They're just not lobbing it up to them. Um, they really need to look at that. Those are easy buckets, and you gotta you got to give the big man a, a smell of the ball sometimes. You know, Jesse's doing a great job in there. He's he's challenging everything. He's mixing it up whatever you know on the boards. He's and he's he's converting when he passes when they pass it to him inside all the posts. He's showing that he's been working hard and has good post moves. But that's an easy bucket, especially if you, when he does it in transition. You know, like a drag screen, and he just you know runs down in transition, um, picks, rolls to the basket. That's an easy lob to him. I mean, because usually they have to honor who is coming over the um, pick because we have such tremendous shooters. I really wish that we would do that more. What have you thought of Frank Anselm in his backup minutes? I think he played good. You know, he's played hard. It's tough because when you're, when you're a backup, and you know everybody knows Chris Mayhem doesn't really utilize his bench, um, you know, the most that he possibly could. <laughs> so when you're in, the, on the, in that um, second rotation, you have to make the most of your minutes. And it's a hard position to play. And that was the position that Jesse was in last year. Um, so it's 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 tough, but he's been in there. He's what was the game where he iced the free throws? Where it was like double overtime. Who was we playing against? Uh, was I don't the, remember. But it was the Indiana game. Indiana game, right? And he iced the free throws after being on the on out of the game the entire game. Like that's a tough uh, position to be put in, and he's done well. So you know, I'd like to see Benny Williams get a little bit more time to get comfortable because I know what he can do. You know, I, I live in Bowie, so I, I've seen him play growing up. I know what he can do. Um, so I just hope, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to even say it, but, you know, I, I'm, still, I'm still hurt by some of the guys that transferred last year. I'm almost honest with you. I'm still hurt by Kadari leaving. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just see what he's doing now in Seton Hall. I just don't want us to squander uh, somebody who I know is talented and squander their talent. I, don't even, I shouldn't even put that out there, but I know what he can do. I just like to see him get a little bit more time, get a little, a little more comfortable, and being able to contribute the way that he can. You're not the only one. We've put that out there Very too. Um, true. We're, we're guilty. Oh, yeah, too? yeah, we have yeah, to. Yeah, okay. Don't we won't tell anybody. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. We'll keep it between us. That's right. Spence, what do you got? Talking with Etan Thomas here on Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. And uh, just what's kind of been your analysis of Cole Swider and his fit on the roster this year? And, you know, to me, I was I was surprised he didn't have a bit of a bigger game offensively last night. He did have 12 rebounds, but you know, especially knocking down the three very early in the first half and then only getting five points. I was a little surprised against his, his former team. But just what do you think of his fit on the roster so far? I mean, it's a lot to play against your former team. Team. You know, you have yeah. a lot of emotions. He's trying to do everything too hard. He's, you know what I mean? I, it was, I could see it in him when I was, when I was uh, watching the game. I was like, oh, yeah, he got a lot. Like, he's pumped. Like, he's, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and he's not how he normally is. And it's tough. It's tough playing against the former team because you want to do so well. 
to show them that they made a big mistake by not, you know what I mean? And, and it, it's a tough position. But he's he's been a pretty good player. You know, some, the, the thing is with three-point shooters, sometimes the ball is just not going to go in the, in the basket. They're, they're doing everything normal. But, you know, we've seen him get hot. We've seen his him, him play hard and his grit and everything like that. So I, I have all positive things to say about him. So there's been this, um, I'm not going to say much maligned. What's the right word for it, Spencer? Celebrated move from the 2-3 zone to this 1-1-3. Some are calling it the 1-3-1. We've discussed this quite a bit over the last few days. You saw it. Right. They started with it. But it, did they go away from it? In the second it, half, it looked it looked like they did start to deviate from that a little bit in the second half. Uh, give us an, an analysis in what you've seen in in Jim making that adjustment. And, and it, one thing we brought up, we talked about Jesse earlier. Is listen in the back line, he's got a lot more uh, space on the court that he's got to cover. You know, sideline to sideline to close out on shooters, and that's tough for him. Yeah, it is. He's doing a great job with it, though. I think that when they switch more to the one three one is when people are um, passing the ball in a high post. And that can also be problematic. We saw that a lot of times against Indiana, um, and he just really exploited that that high post area. Um, I'm terrible with names, but as a Dell Davis's son, uh, you know what I'm talking about. He just did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. But but it's that's the area of the zone that people want to try to get to. So to change and shift to a one three one, it throws people off because then you have a man there. So I think it's great using both both defenses, um, you know. But I, I think that it, it just depends because you know now the college game you have a lot of players that you know a lot of teams that live and die by the three, just like we are this year. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And they're shooting a lot of threes. So if somebody's going to reverse the ball to go throw it to the high post and reverse it from one side or reverse it to the next, usually they're going to be wide open, especially if they skip pass. So you have to switch a little bit. So I got to give Coach Bayon his props where he's he's adjusting a little bit. You can't run the same exact thing because people are going to start picking it apart if they have a, a team full of shooters. Um, you know, we we saw that. I don't want to bring up old stuff, but we saw that in that Colgate game. Yeah, and it was that was so painful to watch. So you have to make adjustments. So you know that's just part of the game. So Benny Williams Itan has he's had a rough go of it early, and you yeah. you've seen him yeah. sit next to Jim on the bench and what I like to call uh, next to the principal in that chair. And that, that is an unenviable, unenviable position for anybody to have to sit in. And I've watched it my whole life. The guy sitting there is, is going in and one mistake getting pulled out. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. um, you're familiar with that spot. No, perhaps no, of you've of heard course. a few things, <laughs> but is it really just a teachable moment? That's Jim, what Jim's trying to do. Uh, t- talk us through what it's like to be that guy when you play for Jim Beheim like Benny is now. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's tough. It's tough to play that way. It's tough to play where you cannot, you know, you're thinking about making a mistake. Um, and then that's usually when you make a mistake. You know what I mean? Or if you make one mistake, then you get pulled out. You never get a rhythm. I mean, it's tough. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a tough position to be in. Um, and then that's where you just, you know, hope that the, the player can look, look, look towards the future and be patient as when things open up and players leave and players graduate, then they'll get their chance. So using myself as an example, that's the that's the situation that I was in playing behind Otis Hill, who was a senior, and he was far better than me, far stronger than you know, more advanced and everything like that. You know, so I had to just be patient, and you know, it was my time the next year that I was able to come in. But it was hard to be in there, you know, put in the game for a minute and a half to take it out. It's like you did everything wrong. It's, it's a tough position to be in. So I know what Benny's probably feeling. I he just, just has to be patient and 
and you know keep working hard and keep a positive attitude. That's all you can really do. I wonder. Just I just wonder. Like if it's me sitting there in my head, how many f bombs I could rattle off <laughs> in the thirty seconds that Jim was talking to me. Spence, we got time for one more, bud. Yeah, one more question for you. It's Etan, and uh, you know it, it goes to Buddy Bayheim, and and just you know we knew that teams were going to key in on him this year. Um, uh-huh. You're uh-huh. obviously seeing that, and and so far the you know especially the last couple of games, he hasn't really been able to get any looks. You know, single digit uh-huh. points. I mean, is there any concern about you know the ability to kind of fight through the double teams and and just you know whether or not he's going to be able to to start getting going again? I mean, that's what happens when you play well. Yep. Teams start keying in on you. That's part of the game. If you if you if you're playing against Syracuse, of course you're not going to let uh, Buddy get an open shot. That's going to be your point of emphasis. So you know, as other guys are knocking the shots down and everything like that, that's going to open it more for him. But that's why I think it would be great to go inside out because if you establish the big man down low, then they'll start to, to sink over towards the big man. Then you kick it around, swing it around, and you'll be wide open. So sometimes it's like you know he's it's like we're trying too hard. You know what I mean? Like he's not open. You know, we're trying to do the little down screen that we do on the on the perimeter and bring him up, and the guy's right there because he's following him. Or he's, or he's not, or he's fighting through the screen, going over it, like sandwich next to Buddy, and he doesn't want to let him get the ball, but that's what he's supposed to do. So, you know, I'm sure it'll, we'll, we'll start, you know, changing up a little bit, but I'd like to, you know, see him knocking down threes and smiling again like he, how he did last year, but it'll, it'll get there. It will definitely get there. Jim even said last night, Buddy's got to realize he's not going to get an easy shot again. That's just not going to happen yeah. uh, for the reasons you just right. described. Itan, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next week, next Wednesday. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Have a good one. The one and only Itan Thomas, Section 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We're coming right back. Hang tight. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Well, let's hear it for New York and Benny Williams, who is now on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. Yes, that's right. Benny Williams from your Syracuse Orange men's basketball team uh, got back from New York and MSG at about 4 a.m. Take us through the process of being a college student that happens to play basketball at a very high level, returning at 4 a.m. And oh, by the way, you have classes. How did that work out today, Benny? Tell everybody. Um, It's. It's something to adjust to for sure. Yeah, we got in at 4 a.m. Luckily, my first class was canceled, but even if my first class wasn't canceled, I would have had to show up, just um, try to push through the day and just try to make the best of it. We've, I mean, go ahead. We, we all wanted to, like, be in the situation, so anything it comes with, like, we're willing to adjust to it. Well, let's see. You're going to go uh, get some shots up and lift some weights when you're done talking to us. Schoolwork's done for yeah. the day. Uh, but aside from basketball, how do you step away even even while you're you're in season like this? And I know it's your first year, your freshman year, but you said you don't do video games, no energy drinks. I don't know uh, how you do that. I don't know <laughs> how you do that. Uh, so so what, yeah. do, what do you do to get away from, you know, the pressure of school and the pressure of basketball and, and all of that and find a few minutes just – to be Benny once in a while? Um, I usually just try to take time to myself, um, whether it's watching shows, whether it's basketball. I'm, it's kind of hard for me to get away from basketball. If I'm not playing, I'm pretty much watching. So pretty much just watching shows, um, watching NBA highlights or college highlights, or anything like that. What, what show are you watching right now? What's, what's like your, your go-to right now to binge? 
so I just finished the society, but I don't recommend watching it because like the ending was not good uh, at all. It was yeah. That's the worst having but a show. That's, that's I just great finished and, that one. Yeah. Oh man. Um. But the, that being said, yet last night you guys got to play at Madison Square Garden. Your first time playing there. You know what is it yeah. like to to step onto that floor and kind of look around and, and realize that you're at the mecca of basketball. No, it's crazy. I mean, just thinking about, like, um, all the history that's been there, especially, like, times like Melo um, playing for the Knicks, hitting game winners and stuff like that. Um, and just think, we took the elevator up to, like, the, um, the floor, and um, our grad assistant, D-Nick, was just saying, like, greats have been in this elevator, like Michael Jackson and people <laughs> like that. Just yeah. aside from basketball, it's many greats that's been through that building. So this is Benny Williams. He'll be joining us, locking in about 3.30 on Wednesdays, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We spoke with Etan Thomas, and we asked him about you. And, you know, just uh, seeing that you're you're only getting a few minutes here and there, and it's an adjustment to yeah. college basketball. And, you know, I, I've joked, I'm, I'm a lifelong Syracuse fan, and you see every year there there's uh you know a young freshman and you get in the game you get pulled out and then you get that seat next to Jim where and I want to ask point blank because Etan said sometimes it's not fun to sit there but you use it as a teachable or a coachable moment so when you're finding yourselves within games getting that quick hook that short leash and you're sitting there uh what are you focused on when when you get some direction from Jim what do you what are you thinking about after the fact just um, trying to look and see what I can do better when I go in or if I'm not getting back in that game or um, for the next game, just trying to watch people in front of me like Cole and Jimmy, just um, seeing the little things that do that I can put into my game to stay on the floor longer and be uh, a key part of the team. Benny, uh, Tan said uh, if he wanted to give as a big any advice to you being young, being a freshman, and Tan referenced it you know, being behind Otis Hill, and he's been in this exact same situation where you are trying to earn that extra playing time and learn the game a little bit more at this level. He told you to be patient, make sure you keep working hard, and stay positive. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think of that advice? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've been trying to do pretty much, just trying to understand that, just trying to keep my confidence there, just knowing that I'm, I can do anything on the floor and try not to listen to outsiders because at the end of the day, me and my coaches and my teammates know like my game and know what I can do. So just just trying to be um, trying to step up and do it. Benny, we know that on the defensive end, we've already seen you make some some big plays this year. Uh, so it seems like you know you're at least pretty comfortable underneath uh, on the defensive end. But just what's been the biggest adjustment for you so far coming into the Division One college ranks? You know that maybe it has been a little bit difficult to kind of transition into. Probably just being active uh, all the time, um, whether you're tired or not, just pushing through, rebounding. I think I've got like better defensively, just finishing out plays with uh, defensive rebounding and even offensive rebounding. So, so Benny, you, you come here and you're playing the, I mean, it's the Jim Beheim 2-3 zone. We all know what that means in the world of college basketball. Yeah. Uh, but recently, over the last couple of games, there's been the adjustment to the 1-1-3. One, one, so take us through the process of learning the intricacies of a complex 2-3 zone and now on the fly having to pick up those differences with the 1-1-3 that's been implemented. 
Yeah, the guard the guard spot is harder than the forward spot because the forward spot you're pretty much in three or four positions, like three positions. And then the new like one one three thing, it's still like a two three zone, but there's no change to how the forward guards the the um the wing or the corner. It's the same for the forward. It's just the difference for the uh, for the guard. So there's really no change between the two. Benny, what's been the highlight of the season for you so far? I mean, Spencer even referenced, you know, uh, some key plays on the defensive end. Uh, but what's the one thing that stood out? And I know you're going to make some more great memories, but so far. Um, even though I haven't been getting the plan time um, that people were expecting, I'm still learning, um, taking it day by day. And honestly, just I think the best part of it all is just being able to play in front of my family. Um, we've been looking for some moments like this for pretty much all my life. Yeah. So now that it's here, it's just, it's really cool seeing like them on the sideline happy for me. This is Benny Williams with us here on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. Spencer, I know you were just about to spit out a question. I'll let you ask yours first. I'll follow up. Yeah, I mean, just who 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 have you been working the, the closest with? What coach has kind of been, you know, in your ear the most and giving you pointers? And what's kind of the one thing that really stands out that, that – they, they're trying to work on with you to, to improve as you kind of learn more about the college game? Um, Coach Red, for sure, and Coach um, D-Nick, the grad assistant, played here. Um, they're really just been in my ear just saying it take, sometimes it takes time and just, like, stay positive, um, keep working, and everything will come into place. And I've just been working really hard with them, especially after practice, just getting up, extra shots, um, movement, keeping my wind up. Is it an official, you know, like a session of go get some shots, like officially a practice thing today, or are you just choosing to go on your own and you want to get some extra work in when you get done talking to us? Yeah, so we're off today. So, um, I mean, as we, like, I'm not getting as much playing time, just trying to just keep my reps up, just stay in shape. So I'm just going to lift and get some shots up. But, yeah, today we're off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've read quotes over the past few months, and then you decided to commit and come to Syracuse and all that, and I know how important family is to you, and you made the decision with your family coming out of IMG and everything else. Uh, But I want you to update your answer. So, Benny, uh, what made you decide to come to Cuse? Is it Coach Bayheim? Is it your teammates and getting to know those guys, or is it just the dream school? Would you reevaluate or change your answer? No. Um, everything I said was still the same. Um, Coach Red recruited me really hard. Um, wasn't too overbearing. Coach Bayheim, I mean, he's a legend and speaks for himself. He knows what he's talking about. Whatever, whenever he speaks, like you have to listen. He knows what he's talking about. So, no. I mean, coaches were the same through the recruiting process as they are now, which I love. And there's no, nothing to hide about it. Like there's, and I won't be transferring. So I want to quit any rumors of me transferring. Like I will be here and I will like fight through this, whatever this is. So yeah. The talent and the skill is there. We can all see it, Benny. Just just keep working. Like Atan said, 
listen, he knows a lot more about basketball than we do. Well, we can clearly see it's there. It's going to click. And we've we've talked about this over the course of the season so far. Listen, eventually we're going to get a Benny Williams breakout game, and then it's off to the races for you, Spencer. Yeah, I'm sorry. Absolutely. that That's coming. That's coming. Uh, I want to be a little bit more lighthearted here and, and just, I mean, who's the funniest guy on the team? Who's the guy in the locker room that's joking around the most? It's kind of getting everybody going and, and lightening the mood, uh, you know, no matter the situation. Um, Joe's hilarious. Joe's funny. He like his laugh. He's like a, like a little kid laugh. And then <laughs> Bull, Bull never is never quiet. So whether it's talking about um like serious stuff or just being joking around, like I'd probably say Bull though. So I've I've got to keep it at lighthearted. You want to do yeah, that yeah, for sure yeah. with Benny Williams here, Exit Thirty One, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. You brought up John Bola Jacques, and, and I've just got to share with you a piece of audio from. Jim last year directed at him, and I and then I wonder if you've ever heard the same thing. Too slow, too slow. Pick it up. Use the backboard, please. <laughs> you, you ever get anything like that from Jim during uh, practice? <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, listen, Betty, thanks for uh, breaking the ice. Week one of what's going to be Wednesdays for the rest of the season with us here on the radio. We really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, you got a little bit serious with some basketball stuff and some of the challenges and struggles so far. Hopefully we kept it light enough for you as well. So the final question oh, is, uh, so the, the final question is, home games at the Dome, Mario and Salvo's, the pizza, what do you order? Pepperoni and sausage. Ooh. You trade Good with anybody? Choice. Uh, no, everybody trades, but no, nah, I just keep mine. Yeah. Um, I used to get buffalo chicken, but I got tired of it, but I probably <laughs> will go back to it. Well, listen, uh, buddy got, got me on the buffalo chicken. All right. Yeah, it's good All right. Stuff. All right. We'll blame buddy. Listen, man, uh, we believe in you. Keep working hard. We know we're going to see you achieve greatness here at Syracuse, like so many others before you. That's Benny Williams. This is Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Thanks, Benny. We appreciate you. No problem. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Anywhere that you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, SoundCloud, wh- whatever it is, you can check out, first of all, GMAC, who joins us 2.15 on Tuesdays. That was yesterday. On a game day prior to yesterday's game against Nova that we unfortunately lost we talked to GMAC, so you can go give that a listen on demand, of course, at QSportsTalk.com. That's there. And then moving forward on Wednesdays, 2.15 is when we're going to hear from Matan Thomas. And then at 3.30, we will be hearing from Benny Williams. And um, by the way, I just wanted to point this out. I don't know if it snuck under the radar, but he made a point to bring up. We didn't even ask. Right. I'm not transferring. Just want to clear that up, clear the air. That's what he said. These struggles right now... I mean, how many, what are we, nine games into the season? He's going to have some moments this year. He said it himself. He's still learning. He's working hard. It's an off day. He's going into the gym to get better. I like his mindset. I like his attitude. Everything that I heard from him, listen, he's going to get better. Uh, You heard a Tom Thomas say it, and we brought it up to him. Listen, I sat behind Otis Hill, and when it was my time, I kept developing. I kept working hard. What did he say? Patience, work hard. Be positive. The dude is is getting ready to, to get some shots in on an off day. I it, mean, he's committed. It worked for a ton. It's worked for others. Stay the course. 
Benny said, I'm not transferring. So plan on him being here next year. Yeah. It's it's really that simple. What other takeaways from either Etan or Benny did you have for today? It was great conversations. No, it, great conversations indeed. You know, I I really like the insight from from Etan about, you know, really needing to use the, the bigs down low. And again, he he's he's biased. He was a big himself. But it, it is interesting because, you know, Buddy's not getting open looks. You gotta you gotta drive inside and kick out. I mean, we've seen Joe Girard do that a little bit and get some open looks for Jimmy Bayheim. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that you need to use, you know, the the forwards down low a little bit more. And, and in terms of Benny, I mean, the kid just, you know, he seems uh, very mature for his age. Uh, he seems comfortable with where he's at. I'm not saying in terms of he's okay not playing, but I think he he's comfortable in his own skin. He knows what he can bring to the table, and he understands, hey, I'm young. I still have to develop, but I'm committed to doing so. Very self-aware. Very That's self-aware. what I thought. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let me close out with this. Goat Talk, 8 o'clock tonight, just at QSportsTalk.com. So make sure you subscribe. That's with Buddy, Eric, and Chris Joseph. And, of course, Eric and Chris Joseph, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 a.m. That's the Devo Show. But tomorrow, it's also those Q&As are going to get started. Um, So Jimmy Bayheim at noon on Thursday. Joe Girard, Thursday at 8 o'clock. And Coach Bayheim. Thursday at 8.30. Oh, and D.C. is going to host a watch party on Saturday at noon. You know, you got that Georgetown game. You're going to get on the block. Uh, Brent Axe is up in here in just a couple of minutes. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. It is Exit 31. Once again, ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Be well.